Chapter 20 One Must Believe in Order to Understand The testimony of Scripture is clear in teaching that man cannot come to an understanding of God, and thereby of God's world, by means of his independently exercised reason. One does not first satisfy his intellect with certain autonomous proofs that God exists and has a particular nature, and then after gaining this understanding, places faith in the Lord. Rather, reverence and faith precede one's understanding or knowledge of God in all that he has made. To know God in salvation and approach unto him has definite preconditions or requirements. The motto of the wisdom literature is that the beginning, i.e., the first and controlling principle, of knowledge is the fear or reverent submission of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7. About this verse, Matthew Henry aptly comments, In order to the attaining of all useful knowledge, this is most necessary, that we fear God. We are not qualified to profit by the instructions that are given us unless our minds be possessed with a holy reverence of God, and every thought within us be brought into obedience to Him. The book of Hebrews repeatedly touches on the theme of drawing unto or coming to God. Chapter 4, verse 16, chapter 7, verse 25, chapter 10, verse 22, chapter 12, verse 22 which has been made possible by the perfect ministry and accomplishment of redemption by Jesus Christ. Chapter 8, verses 1-13 through 13. This benefit of the new covenant is summarily designated knowing the Lord. Verse 11, John chapter 17, verse 3 The unavoidable prerequisite of coming to the Lord in saving knowledge is laid down in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 as faith. Without this, it is impossible to please Him. Faith enables us to draw near unto God and know Him. That which God demands of men is that they have faith in His Messianic Son. John chapter 6 verses 28 through 29. And Jesus declared that doing the will of God was necessary if one were to gain the knowledge of God's true revelation. John chapter 7 verses 17. From this it is evident that autonomous knowledge does not first pick out the genuine revelation of God and then savingly trust the Savior who is revealed therein. Faith is the precondition of a proper understanding. Augustine drew the inference with clarity. Understanding is the reward of faith. Therefore, do not seek to understand in order to believe, but believe that thou mayest understand. Homilies on the Gospel of John 29.6 Virtue or personal rectitude, i.e., the discipline despised by fools who hate knowledge, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7b through 8, verse 29, is the necessary support for knowledge. If a man's heart is wrong, his thinking will correspondingly be futile. Just as knowledge is supported by virtue, so also virtue is supported by faith. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Thus we must conclude that faith precedes knowledgeable understanding. Since this is the case, and since repentance is unto faith, Matthew chapter 21 verse 32, the apologist must aim to bring those who live in ignorance to repentance. Acts chapter 17 verse 30. Knowledge can only be gained when the unbeliever repents and comes to faith in Christ. Aside from this radical change of mind and confident submission to the truth of God, knowledge would be automatically excluded. Therefore, apologetical success depends on the sinner's conversion. His thinking must be completely turned around, not simply supplemented with autonomous arguments. 
Faith and repentance, which produce reverence for the Lord, are foundational to knowledge, not vice versa. Understanding is not gained in the wisdom of man, but only when such pseudo-wisdom is abandoned for the truth of God. The apologetic method of the believer must take this fact into account at all times. If it does, the apologist will be faithful and bold to present the full challenge of presuppositional argumentation rather than the piecemeal attempts of those approaches which fail to call the sinner to abandon his system of thought, which is autonomous assumptions and futile methodology. The opponent of the gospel will not come to knowledge until he renounces his sinful pride and alleged intellectual self-sufficiency, that is, until he epistemologically bows before the Lord in repentant faith. But if repentant faith is necessary for the unbeliever to see the truth of the gospel, which we defend, then the success of our apologetic is in the hands of our sovereign creator and redeemer. Our polemic will be convincing only to the extent that our unbelieving hearers are renewed in their minds and recreated by God's Spirit in the holiness of the truth. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 23 through 24. Only then will they stop walking in the vanity of their minds with darkened understanding and ignorance. Verses 17 through 18. Knowledge requires repentance and faith, and thus knowledge depends on the grace of God who gives faith as a gift. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8, and grants repentance, Acts chapter 5 verse 31, chapter 11 verse 18. When the sinner is benefited in these ways by God's mercy and love, then he puts on the new man who is renewed unto genuine knowledge according to the image of his creator, Colossians chapter 3 verse 10. Faith requires that one be born of God, 1 John chapter 5 verse 1, who gives repentance unto a genuine knowledge of the truth, 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 25. The apologist's opponent must come to repentant faith if he is to gain understanding and knowledge. And this takes place not by superior knowledge or clever reasoning on the part of the apologist, but by God's gracious work in the sinner so that he is enabled to know the truth of the apologist's faithful testimony and argument, as they are rooted in Christ's word and are powerful according to Christ's spirit. God must give us the success in our apologetic endeavors. Thus we must walk in wisdom toward them on the outside. Colossians chapter 4 verse 5 Not arguing from the foolish presuppositions of unbelief, but according to the presupposed authority and truth of God's wise revelation in the gospel. When we do this, we will know how to answer every man. Verse 6 Looking to God in continuing prayer, that he might grant apologetical success by opening a door for the word, verses 2 through 3, the corrupt communications which characterizes humanistic thought, Matthew chapter 7, verses 17 through 18, must not proceed from our mouths, but rather good words which represent the mind of God, Matthew chapter 19, verse 17, and can minister grace to our hearers, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. As Paul, our speech must not be with enticing words of human wisdom, but with the powerful proof, demonstration of the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 4. Knowing that the faith of our opponents must stand in the power of God and not the wisdom of men. Verse 5. Such faith is unto understanding. Consequently, the apologist must work from the presupposed word of Christ, be constant in prayer, and look to God for the door to be open to the word. Acts chapter 14 verse 27. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 12 and for the granting of wisdom genuine knowledge 
and enlightenment. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 16 through 17.